0: If you look at the vote at the UN on the, uh, the invasion of Russia, a great number of, I mean, five voted against, but a great many of countries abstained, therefore sitting on the fence, because this fight for democracy, for our values, uh, we have to keep fighting, but it's not won in advance. Welcome to Canusa Street, a podcast at the intersection of the issues and policies between Canada and the United States. Here are your hosts, Scotty Greenwood and Chris Sands.
1: Well, welcome back to Canusa Street, everybody. I'm Scotty Greenwood with the Canadian American Business Council, and I'm joined by my brilliant, smart, phenomenal colleague, Professor Chris Sands at the Woodrow Wilson Center. Hey, Chris.
2: Hi, Scotty. That's uh, that's so flattering. I'm a little. I'm I'm turning pink over here.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, we are thrilled to be able to continue our conversation with His Excellency Raymond Cretan. and uh, to introduce our our guest properly once again. We're having him back. Why don't you remind our our listeners about uh, the distinguished career of Ambassador Cretan?
2: Well, we have to, especially because people may listen to these episodes out of order. So we want to make sure we cover the 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 really impressive career that uh, Raymond Cothen comes to us with he's the only canadian diplomat to have served as ambassador to the united states ambassador to mexico ambassador to france ambassador to belgium uh, it, it is really a, a wide-ranging career born in shawinigan quebec in 1942 he obtained his law degree from the universite laval uh, before joining the department of external affairs as it was called in those days it had several name changes and his diplomatic career took him to New York, Beirut, and Paris before he was named the youngest ambassador in Canadian history uh, to the country of Zaire, now the Democratic Republic of Congo, way back in 1978. On his return to Ottawa, he his rise at Global Affairs is legendary. He became ambassador to Mexico from 1985 to 1988, and uh, then ambassador in here in Washington. Uh, from 1994 to 2000. And that it's just an amazing period in which he saw the implementation of the NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. Uh, He ended his career as ambassador in France and is now with the law firm Faskin. Uh, And it's great to have him back.
1: What an honor. So good to have him. And I can't wait for this conversation. When we talked before, when we were together on our last podcast, we talked a lot about Canada and the United States. We talked a lot about the NAFTA, about trade relations and some irritants like lumber, and those are important. But Ambassador Kretien has lived all over the world, has represented Canada in many places and knows a lot about foreign policy. So you're just coming off a world meeting of the Trilateral Commission. And one thing we haven't talked about yet, and I wanna get your thoughts, is China. We talked about the war on Ukraine. Uh, but let's talk about China. What are you thinking these days about China? And how should we be factoring China into the way we think about the Before world?
0: Before I talk, thank you very much, Kathy, for for this question. Obviously, it's uh, at the center of, of all foreign policy discussions these days. Before I talk about Canada's attitude towards China, let me tell you a bit what I heard in the last sure, couple of days yeah. about U.S. and China. Clearly, uh, it is uh, dominating the agenda. It is right at the center of uh, of, of the American uh, Preoccupations, uh, whether it's the, uh, what to do with the, with the, all the, uh, the tariffs imposed by the previous administration on billions of dollars of goods, whether it is now there's a new dimension coming, uh, even more delicate about Taiwan following the, the war between Russia. What, 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 what will China be tempted to do with time? Will it be tempted to go in sooner than expected? And what will be the, the American reaction? This is a, the America, will, will, will the U.S. go to, to, to war? Uh, would, would go to, to uh, potentially a nuclear war with China over, over Taiwan. This is a big question asked all over the world right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the answer to that question, but it's clearly, uh, clearly there. China, um, I've always been struck, has been following world events from afar. Remember Iraq. We, I mean, your country spent billions of dollars. Canada invested. We lost a number of people also and, and lots of money to try to, to, result, to, to be par- part of that coalition with you. China out there doesn't talk very much, develops the army, develops the economy, saves an, an awful lot of, of money and, and resources. It's true now. I mean, that, that during the present uh, war between uh, Russia and Ukraine, China, I think, doesn't want to be involved in this. I mean, they're clearly in a strong partnership with President Putin, but they, again, while uh, countries are bleeding resources and, and people, they're reinforcing their their own uh, uh, position in the world. The next couple of uh, months will be devoted to the future of Xi Jinping. I mean, the Congress to Mm re-elect him or not. So I I suppose that will be, and they have big internal problems as well, but China has has become your, I don't know how to describe it. It's probably not an enemy, but I'm surprised to see that many Republicans see not only is a, a lot of people in in, in Washington seems to be united on this. It seems to be a Absolutely. nonpartisan issue, and China is almost an enemy. So, uh, you know, the, you... Well, we you... don't
1: share their values, right? I mean, China, the way it treats its people, the way it yeah. treats um, the environment, I mean, it, it, it doesn't follow by the same rules of that course we not. play, play no. by. So I think it's... I, I don't know if enemy is the right word, but competitor... Chris, adversary, ad- adversary, sure, sure, sure,
0: absolutely. Yes, certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, now, as far as Canada and China is concerned, we're we're into a, a very difficult time. When the two Michaels were uh, in prison for four years, it has uh, cooled down the relationship to the point that it has not yet recovered. So it's uh, business is good, trade is good. It does not diminish during this very co- political cooling up period, but there's still uh, not a, a good grasp, a good. Uh, uh, decision about what, how to deal with China. I mean, this new committee that's has just bit, uh, been put in place in Ottawa by Mr. Trudeau to look at the uh, India-Pacific uh, as a whole and China in particular. Big question mark for you where, where it's going to go. So it's there. Uh, this is one of the uh, major issues facing Europe, facing us, facing all countries of the world. But what what's very interesting, uh, and we talked about that uh, in the last couple of days, is to see how... This idea of promoting democracy is, I mean, is great for us uh, and Canadians and Europeans. But enough, awful lot of countries do not share that. If you look at the vote at the UN on the uh, uh, the invasion of Russia, yeah. a, a great number of, I mean, five voted against, but a great many of countries abstained, therefore sitting on the fence, uh, for not uh, reluctant to 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 support uh, support this. Uh, so all of that to say that. Uh, this fight, because this fight for democracy, for our values, uh, we have to keep fighting, but it's not won in advance. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
2: And and, and Well, we've just had the anniversary of that uh, Ronald Reagan speech in the British Parliament where he really laid out this idea that democracy was the unifying theme of the Western countries, and we had just seen Poland uh, with the Solidarity Movement move in that direction. And so it's, it's an interesting time to look back at that legacy because that is something Canada and the U.S. have shared and, and worked totally. on in so many ways, and it is one of the values that, that pulls us together. Yeah,
0: but there there's some discordant voices uh, in many parts of the world right now. Just look at la Hongrie-Hungary. Just look at countries like Indonesia, Brazil, uh, Mexico, uh, South Africa. There are a great number of countries who seem to be getting away from this idea of, of democracy it, it's not too late but i'm just telling you it's 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 going to be a, a constant uh, battle i want to ask you about one qu-
2: uh, one country that you know well and that is the democratic republic of congo Oof. and when it comes to critical minerals for so much of what we need on the environment and everything else they are one of the biggest producers you were there uh, was there back when Sese Seko yeah. was yeah. the leader, and now uh, you know, they've been in civil war for a long time, but I remember when the Prime Minister sent you to kind of take a look at whether there was something the Great Lakes region. Yeah, yeah, was there something in the Great Lakes region? Was there something that, that Canada could do? And you came back and a little a little bit cool to the idea. What's going on in Africa? and, and how do we, how do we get the minerals we need to do the things we want to do on the environment? from countries that are so unstable and and just so tragic.
0: But there are many questions in your in your. First of all the what do we do with Africa? Clearly uh Africa is not the Africa that I knew in 1978 79 when Mobutu Sisiku was was running the place. A huge problem then was corruption. Uh Mobutu Sese was a great a great uh, uh, unity unifying force but on the on the economic side it was it's kind of a disaster. The Congo is uh, one of the richest countries when it comes to rare earth. I mean, where rare minerals, copper, uh, diamond, uh, name it, they've got it. Um, There many, many countries of of Africa are in a much better state now than they used to be then. Mm -hmm. I mean, they will have, what, a billion people in in a few years. So uh, uh, at the moment, um, the refugees from Africa are flooding Europe Mm -hmm. uh, because Things are not working out in, in. so it's still a, a big question, but clearly now what I see is the europeans starting to pay far more attention to Africa again. Canada's neglected africa we didn't win on the Security Council bid a couple of years ago it's not solely because of Africa, but in great part because we have closed down embassies. We mm-hmm. we closed down economic development programs. So it's it's a it's a continent still in search of of mentors. And I have to tell you that China is there now in a in a big way. And the Russians are starting to go in there. They 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 f- they want to feel this vacuum created by the 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 absence of of many Western countries traditionally investing a lot in Africa now. The metals, how do you get them? You, can, you should get them from out, for, from Canada first. We 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 have a lot of metals in the north of Canada. We many of the of the rare metals that you need, we have them. So it's like oil. You've I mean, got
1: to develop them faster, though. You know, like it's <laughs> it's you've got. It's not just digging them out of the dirt. The critical minerals, big... minerals, but it's processing them, right? Yeah. And and I don't know how long it takes to get a facility permitted. Um, in China or in Indonesia or in the Congo, but it takes a long time in yeah. Canada. And so, how do we how do we accelerate that in a uh, responsible way? By
0: you telling our government to, to do it faster.
1: <laughs> well, I do that pretty much every day. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe one yeah. day they'll listen. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah.
0: but it no. go, it goes to a little bit. Uh, uh, no, but look at that. Look, yeah. look remember at that conversation the last we had the a, a long conversation about energy energy development, and I mean. Oil and gas, and there, there we are up north. You know, a faithful—not a faithful, faithful, but a solid supplier of certainly oil and gas. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it seems that uh, you're looking at alternatives in, in Venezuela. And why aren't you thinking automatically about us?
1: Well, you know, it's it's funny you should say that because that's a topic that is hot right now in Washington. And what the Biden administration will say is, of course, we want resources as many as we can from Canada. Um, but they will also say it's the non-market economies that have supply today that can just kind of turn on China in particular is, the tap. Uh, well, Saudi and Saudi Venezuela Uruguay. and all of that, and so it's not it's not just so easy for canada to just turn on a tap canada's taps are on but the uh, the other part of the answer though is the argument of this is why we shouldn't be on fossil fuels mm-hmm. is has also so you've you've got this tension in washington between get more energy from our friends or wherever we can get it because the prices are too high and because russia is doing what it's doing and that is directly opposed to the environmental community who says mm. yeah. now more than ever leave it in the ground. So yeah. how do you how do you navigate that tension or how would you advise the
0: Listen in, in this big debate I I find that, that ultimately money wins. You know when I see your government your administration now looking at places like Venezuela and Algeria or a couple of other countries of that in instead of your neighbor t- to the north I I realize the this dichotomy, this dilemma between democracy favoring u- human rights as opposed to hard economic interests, and in my experience of 30 years, when you put them in the balance and you sent the, the the recommendation to to uh, your prime minister, the econ- the economic side wins almost automatically. Forget about human rights. There
1: are activists cringing all over the
0: place. <laughs> Chris,
1: here you that money wins. But, you, you but,
0: but it, it, I'm, I'm, it's my experience. I've yeah. Many, many times in my career, I've seen, uh, I will not mention exactly the, the, the cases, but where clearly government had to make a decision between investing in a country where the human rights uh, uh, issue was not very well handled and, and 500 jobs in Canada. If you got a 500 job and a thousand jobs you make compromises on that. But no, let me push you. I I don't like that. I don't agree no. with that. But this uh, this is what I witnessed. I'm going to push you just gently
2: on that because one hard. of the, well. Push me hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I won't go easy. I've, I mean one of the reasons it takes a long time to build things in the US as well as in Canada is democracy. Yeah. So on the one hand that is what unites us on the other hand it means that it, you can't you you could work with a dictatorship and the dictatorship could say you brought money we'll get it done don't care about human rights. Well we do care about human rights and we do care about the planet. So it's a, there's a lead time and a consultation and now consultations with the first nations yeah, and yeah, others yeah, involved it, in these yeah. projects and uh that's a good point as well i mean i mean this is how we build things and you're right that money is important but and government's important but i i just wonder you know is this just another example of democracy being our own worst enemy that we we our divisions are out there uh we struggle to come to consensus among ourselves and so we can't get things done well
1: who was it that said we'll let you answer but who was it that said that democracy is a terrible terrible system except for all the alternatives (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's true no i i guess you have Put it right I, 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 when i when i see the, the present uh, situation now uh, the war in, in between russia and ukraine and, and the strange alliances it's uh, it, it's provoking uh, uh what, what you know but I, I keep coming back to 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 the, the dealing with the the devil or dealing with, i mean you don't like china but you have a huge trade and economic relationship i mean not only that it's totally integrated mm-hmm. it's it's we describe china as adversary some would say it's an enemy you still have a and and, and it, sometimes you have you have no choice. You cannot disengage. Let's say the American economy or the Chinese. We're economy.
1: trying the decoupling. We're you're trying. You're yeah.
0: trying, but it's going to be very difficult. I mean, yeah. you're not talking about uh, a few billion dollars. You're talking about many trillion dollars. So, yeah. Um, good luck. I mean, it's it's a never <laughs> it's a never ending issue, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you see some when it's just I will not uh, mention some of the visits on the horizon for 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 our political leaders, but I mean you see that problem facing them right in their face. Yeah. And uh, they have to they have to navigate it all.
2: Yeah. I I would just say I I don't often love the phrase, you know, that's at the the bookstores in Canada, the world needs more Canada. But in the last few weeks, listening to the Japanese saying they don't want to be buying Russia oil and gas, but there's no other vendor, and Canada's right there, I think about the Germans who would love to buy what you've got and not buy from yeah. Russia. And I think because of the lead time for projects, we really do need more Canada in a global sense. Maybe not selling as much to the Americans, but selling around the world. Oh. You're
0: one of the good guys. But I think that there's a willingness in Canada. The will is, is, is in Canada. The fact that it's, but it's not everywhere else.
1: I don't know, Ambassador. When's the last time well, I, you built a pipeline across the country?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, again. So I'm not sure for, there's for, so, yeah. so when I, Again, <laughs> it's a perfect example of, uh, again, the, uh, the environment, control of emissions, and the yep. cash. No, yep. Not cash, well, I would say that, but but it's yeah. a, another good example mm-hmm. of that. Sure. And we just approved, our government just approved another big development in Eastern Canada uh, of the coast of Newfoundland. Again, a big uh, oil... Sure. Pro- and and mm-hmm. uh, again, I mean, the, but uh, not easy to say, listen to a province, the provincial premier, listen, I'm going to say no, but you're going to lose 5,000 jobs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, So th- th- this well. issue is... Uh, Look at it the way you want, but it, it's still... Look at oil, Russia and, and oil. I mean, there we are. It's, it's crazy. I mean, we, the European countries are buying Russian oil to the tune of about a billion dollars a day. That money goes to finance the war against Ukrainians that we're trying to help, both financially and, and, and with armaments. So there's all kinds of huge contradictions. But, but right. Scotty, international affairs are full of... Uh, contradictions that are not easily solvable yeah. for yeah. all the time, has always been through the ages. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair
1: enough. Well, and mm-hmm. we could talk to you all day and we don't we don't want to be um, we Greedy. don't want to take up all your time. <laughs> yeah, because we could do so. I want to just ask one last question and maybe Chris could, too. And mm-hmm. um, so as you know, we're here in Washington, you've gotten a lot of briefings about problems of the world. You've mentioned um Maybe Chinese aggression in the Taiwan Straits. What does the U.S. do? What does the world do? But as you step back and think about the world and everything, what's what scares you the most? You know, is it uh, yeah. is it Korea? Is it is it nuclear? Is it cyber? Like where where? I would say what's what do you worry about? What
0: scares me the most is uh, the the coalescence or the confluence of of major crises. I mean, it's uh, the climate crisis. We thought it was going to be felt in 15 years it's going to be felt this summer and next summer even more that that certainly is an important factor uh the 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 crisis the health crisis provoked by the uh, the war in uh, between russia and and ukraine i mean the the world will many countries will be in in a famine situation pretty soon Mm -hmm. uh that i mean the war and the possibility of nuclear use i mean uh, I've all been following this business of nuclear uh, development for years, and I, I'm I'm scared to see that the that Putin has put it on on the table. I mean, he, just to talk about it is is frightening. And the, I mean, people live with the, this fear now that uh, we'll go back to the time of the Cuban missile crisis. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, who is going to decide uh, if missile uh, missile should be uh, atomic uh, uh, power or uh, <laughs> sh- should be used? I mean. Mr. Putin says, if uh, it's an existential threat, I will use it. He didn't say I might use it. If there's an existential threat to, to Russia, I will use nuclear weapons. Who's going to decide? What are the? What is an exist- existential threat? Mm-hmm. Who? What are the criteria? I'm very worried about that. Uh, and then, I mean, uh, the never-ending pandemics, I mean, it's not over. I mean... Uh, I could see that uh, in, in the last couple of days. I mean, uh, just running around Washington today, many buildings are still re- almost vacant. Mm-hmm. Big law firms have about one third or 20% of their lawyers there. Yeah. So it's, it's not one, and I could go on and on, but these are some of the big events that, that do worry me. And this, this uh, fragility of our institutions kind of not falling apart but being tremendously weakened, tremendously weakened. So I'm worried about all of that. And we Canadians, if I, I mean, I'm not in government now, but if I were in a, in, in Ottawa or w- w- Be careful, when I was, they
1: might call you in. You might no, have no, to no, no. But them. I would say,
0: listen. <laughs> after a couple of days here, I would say, listen. I mean, the, the Americans are our friends, they are neighbors, uh, but we're a different country, different entity. Let's let's deal with them, but let's let's do our own our own, our own thing. Let's do our own development. Let's develop. The way we want, and then then we can talk with you. Keep, keep but but still focus more on our own development. Canada, and listen, you, you know Canada. You served in in, in Canada. We still have a, a country that is rich uh, and and, and, many, and a magnet for many many thousands of ref- I mean, uh, immigrants in the world uh, with social development higher than than what you have here. We have institutions that do not even exist here. So let's do more of that, and there will be a more, a better partner for 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 the U.S. But that's what I would say if I were not wise. If I were in Mister Trudeau's place, I would say, "We've got a good show here. Let's let's keep it going."
1: Well, they're probably listening now. So uh, <laughs> okay, you okay. just said it. So. Well, I'm
2: okay. going to take that uh, guidance and and ask you about something which you, I think you'd also comment on, which is Canada's capabilities, its investment in mm-hmm. its role in the world, and. In Washington, we do worry about Canada's defense spending, which has been a perennial concern of presidents here for a long time, but it's also development assistance. Canada's development spending as a percentage of GDP has not been very strong and it's been narrowed and your diplomatic corps. It, yeah. For years, there were, you weren't offering the exam. So I'm how going. does Canada rebuild its the capacity to have the role that I agree Canada should have on the world stage,
0: but I think you've sold yourself short. You make me happy, Chris, by asking that, me that question, because I, I have a lot to say about this, but let's start with defense. Uh, it's true. When I was in Washington, and it's no secret, I've said it publicly many, many times over. During the Clinton years, a very friendly administration towards Canada, one of the a question, the question that came constantly in the discussions with security defense was our budgetary, uh, our defense budget. Uh, I remember some secretary of defense saying, listen, we we don't like to see your army going from 85 to 75 to 65. The, the, it's the, the U.S. is the only country that likes to have a, a neighbor military strong. So for <laughs> years, for generations, there was a feeling that. You guys would come to our defense if it if it came to the, to the worst, and that we could spend on healthcare, or on pharma care, or. But now I think this time is 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 gone. You have seen our def- recent defense budget mm-hmm. increase significantly, not yet to two percent of the NATO target. But remember, this this two percent is not a, a, is, is not the only criterion to do. So I think now there's a there's a feeling that we have. Based upon also the fact that the, I think the Americans are fed up to be the, the policemen of the world that we have to take care more of our own of our own defense, our north building submarines, but I mean having a real uh, fleet of of not not fifty uh, year old planes, but I mean there there's, there's this this feeling that we cannot rely on you totally for our defense. Mm-hmm. So now the foreign service, this is uh, yeah I, I hope you hear me on this uh, because. Uh, I, I was uh, I, I served the diplomatic service of Canada for almost forty years. Uh, it was a time when the the, the profession of diplomacy was respected. Uh, now, it's not only in Canada, this mm. profession has has gone down in esteem. I mean, people know that it has a lot of uh, limits. the world of communications has evolved in such a way that our leaders type messages to one to another. But it's this is good. But it, it lacks the. the the, the the solidity of a well thought argumentation to bring to some kind of uh, conclusion by the government. I mean, I don't I cannot talk about the State Department, but I understand that you went through the same uh, crisis. So the, the the foreign service is trying to recalibrate itself, uh, but I, I hope I hope it succeeds because I find that uh, we suffer in terms of uh, um, again recommendations being taken up by 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 the government, by like cabinet ministers, coming from a respected foreign service, a non-partisan foreign service. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, nobody knows if I was a liberal, or I have a very liberal name, but I mean, whenever I ask, uh, are you a liberal or a conservative as you are, uh, yeah. you're targeted. So I find that there's a, Canada used to have one of the eight, 10 best foreign services in the world. I'm afraid that we're no longer there. Mm-hmm. And development assistance. Yeah, this is the same, uh, again, there was a time when the, we uh, never came totally close to the Pearson recommendation of 1% devoted to international development system, where well, we're, we're 0.7 or something like that. Now we're down to uh, 0.4 uh, with, on the par with Luxembourg or not far. So again, we, uh, but again, it's a, it's a decision by the government. If you, you have to decide among priorities and if defense is, has to go up, uh, some, something has to go down. So uh, unfortunately, this has cost us a lot in places like Africa. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in the Congo, we had, we had remember, 200 people, most of them from Quebec, dealing with the resources of the Congo. I mean, the best experts in the world about the big forests of the Congo were from, from Quebec, mm-hmm. from, from Canada. So yeah. we, we had the, an investment in the long-term development of many African countries, but through huge investments. So this, uh, this is not the case right now. But again, the pendulum will swing. Uh, events will happen. It might come back, but uh, I'm worried that I'm afraid that it it will never be the way it was before. In the, it, when there was a, a kind of uh, unlimited money for government, uh, you know, we we had we had uh, I, I cannot tell you how we I, I, as, as a young diplomat uh, now today they have it hard compared to what who, In- they were spending a enormous amount of, to train us. Uh, just to sending us around the, around the country, talking with provincial premiers, developing, you know, participating in, in task force to, to develop, sending you to language school, learn Chinese mm-hmm. for, for two years, Russian for one year, develop, develop these experts who, whose knowledge uh, uh, is un- invaluable. You just cannot talk about, uh, ask any kind of former cabinet minister to, 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 to talk about, about China. You have to know what China is all about. Mm-hmm. Totally so I'm right. a long, strong believer in... The, I'm sure you believe, believe that as well. I, I do too, but of all
2: the problems we've discussed in our episodes with you, this is one that I think we could solve. Whereas some of them I think are very daunting. We we know we can spend more.
0: Yeah, but now the at least I'm glad to see in was some serious uh, task force being put into place. One by Foreign Affairs, you probably mm-hmm. saw that. One by the Senate, uh, Peter Beam, uh, Peter Harder will probably win. So that, I, I'm, I'm confident, but again... You, you—it takes a decade to reconstruct a, a foreign service. You know, a, a lot of the very good people have left. When I look at the major le- levels of the State Department, is the same. You have lost a lot of tremendous experts to all kinds of entities, public sector, academia. Think uh, tanks. Think tanks. Yeah, yeah, Good for think <laughs> tanks, but not good for foreign service. There's,
1: a, so, there's something to be said for the revolving door. I, right? you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's much maligned, but every once in a while, people <laughs> no, Scott are is coming, a good
0: example of that. Yes,
1: coming back in. Well, um, this has been such a wonderful conversation, it is. and, and. We usually ask people at the end, but you've already answered it, to give us some ideas about who we could bring in in the future. And, Chris, I think Peter Beam, Ambassador mm-hmm. Peter Beam, be who's wonderful. now in the Senate, yeah. has served in Washington, has served around the world, an amazing Canadian diplomat, be, thoughtful. Peter be very good. So, um, so, so Peter, I think, has got to be— uh,
0: on your, yeah. th- on your list.
1: On our list. That's I agree.
0: Exactly. Well,
2: and, and we, I said I don't love the phrase, the world needs more Canada, but I do
0: think the world needs more Raymond Chrétien. I don't know about this, I mean, uh, do you need, who, who needs a, an 80-year-old man who has uh, uh, passed his prime? <laughs> <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> but I feel great, Chris. <laughs> but I have to thank you both because uh, one of the reasons I accepted to do this today is because I, I respect what both of you have done. I mean, you took the, the center well, and, at, at, mm-hmm. and you have done, you're doing a great job and, and Scott did the same. I remember this uh, Canadian American Business Council when it started and it went down and down until you, you pick it up. <laughs> and then it has changed uh, everything. <laughs> and you're both, you're serious influencers in the, in, in, in the I, I read what comes out of, uh, of the Canadian Institute. I read wh- about what you're doing here in Washington. Uh, my God, uh, if you were not there, we'd have to invent you. <laughs>
1: well, that's a great ad for. That us. is a so great thank ad. Thank you, yeah. and thank you, thank you for coming. The world needs more Christians. that's Absolutely.
0: Sure. Thank so. you very much.
1: Thank you. Well, so we went from a tour de force on Canada-U.S. relations to really a tour de force of the world, and listening to the worries that Ambassador Chretien has, but also the opportunities we have in Canada and the United States to work together to solve some of the greatest challenges. I thought that was a real privilege to get... uh, to get a minute inside his mind on these things.
2: I don't know how many Canadians, let alone how many Americans, have his breadth having served in the Western Hemisphere, in Mexico, having served in Africa, uh, very articulate on the challenges of China, on on Canada's diplomacy, but also what's going on on around the world. He he just brings this wide range of experience. And there aren't very many people I know of any type who, who... can just show that mastery of detail and tell the big story which often gets lost in the small you know the small disputes uh, from softwood lumber to nuclear armageddon that's quite a range (laughs)
1: that's right well and you know i i I appreciated his rather passionate call for investment in the in in diplomacy in the foreign service and you know you were a fulbright fellow a Mm -hmm. fulbright scholar i think in early in your early days in canada i was a diplomat myself and these things matter, and to to have Ambassador Chrétien remind us, remind policymakers, invest in diplomacy, invest in these thoughtful exercises, I, I think was important to hear.
2: I think it is, too. We, we forget because technology allows us to disintermediate. As he was saying, world leaders who, who text each other or share emails outside diplomatic channels, yes, that can help solve problems, but when problems are getting uh, worse and worse— the expertise of the diplomatic corps, the relationships of development officers who really build friendships in in developing countries, and and even the work of our militaries when they fight side by side, they develop a kind of trust, and all of those things are important components to any country's international relations. And they've been an important part of the Canada U.S. relationship, and. Um, Canada needs to make some investments, as he said, but, you know, the U.S. also needs to see Canada in all of those ways as very much allied with our values and and part of of, of a better world if if we're willing to partner with them on it.
1: Well, that's right. And, you know, listening to you, like, it's not optional. Diplomacy is sort of the cardiovascular system of the body politic. You can't not have it. You could have less of it, but then, you know, then your arteries get clogged. So important to pay attention to your diplomatic health.
2: Yes, and I hope that for those Canadians or or Americans who are listening to the podcast who are still in school and thinking about their future, uh, what an advertisement for the what you can achieve with a career in uh, in government, in public service, in, in international affairs. Uh, he, he, he casts a very long shadow and I'm lucky it touched on both our organizations and both of our careers.
1: Exactly right, we're so fortunate. Uh, and once again, great to be with you on Canusa Street.
2: Always nice to be here on Canusa Street.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the Canadian American Business Council and the Wilson Center. If you like this episode, Help others find our show and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.